to the High Praises Church podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now here's lead pastor, Chris Starr. Today, I am beginning a series uh, for the next three Sundays. Uh, today and the next two Sundays, my, my goal, my intention is to preach a series on essentially knowing the will of God, finding out what God's will is for your life. And so uh, we're going we're gonna to start with that today, and I want to begin by reading Romans chapter 8, verses 27 through 29. And this may be at least one of the verses, maybe a verse that you've heard before. A lot of people have heard it. But I want to preach 27, 28, 29, and today discover the will of God. And I'm, I'm going to make some statements um, uh, at the beginning of this message to kind of set the table for the next three weeks, okay? Uh, and by, by the way, while you're turning or getting your Bible or whatever you're doing it right now, uh, good news, Pastor Billy, uh, maybe you did know this, Pastor Billy was sick. He had to go in the hospital with COVID, had double pneumonia. A lot of you were praying for him. Uh, he came home from the hospital. So Pastor Billy, I know you're watching, and Lindsay, I think she's doing better. We're glad you're doing better. We miss you. Uh, today, worshiping and ministering uh, with us and leading us, but we're glad you're at home and, and getting better. So thank God for that. Romans chapter 8, here's what verse 27 says through verse 29. Now he who searches the hearts, now who searches your heart? God does. So he who searches the heart, God, knows what the mind of the Holy Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints, according to the will of God. Do you see that? According to the will of God. All right, next verse. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Do you see that? The will of God, purpose. Next verse. For whom God foreknew, he also predestined. What? To be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Okay, so I want to begin this series today in this message by warning you that the goal of this series and the goal, the intention of this, of this message today is not to help you discover God's personal will for your life. That's, that's not what this is about, okay? Like, Pastor, who, I was hoping you were going to preach today to tell me who I'm supposed to marry or, or what, what university I'm supposed to attend or, or, or should, should we have children or not or what career am I going to be in, okay? That's not what this sermon is about. Now, is God concerned about those things? Absolutely. And sometimes God will actually get involved and direct you on those things, but what I've found is that most often these kind of issues, these choices, really depend a lot on your personal preference and, and then a lot on godly wisdom. Now, let me, let me give you an example. So I'm going to go down a rabbit trail here for a minute. I do not believe that there is one specific person that you are supposed to marry. Now, some people believe that, but, but I'm going to show you why I don't believe it because there's a tremendous fallacy with that concept. But some people think... There's one perfect person for me. All right, I don't believe that. Here's why. 
Let's just suppose that that one perfect person out there that you're supposed to marry, for whatever reason, doesn't marry you and they marry somebody else. Okay, so now they've married the wrong person because that person they married had another perfect person that they were supposed to marry and they've messed that up. Meanwhile, you're going to marry somebody else, but that's not the perfect person you're supposed to marry. But here's what's happened. You married them, but they had a perfect person that they were supposed to marry and now that's all messed up and the whole thing has collapsed. That's why I don't believe that there's one specific person that you are supposed to marry, okay? However, I do believe that there are guidelines that will help you stay within what God wants, which is God's will, that will help you choose a great person to marry. For example, you should marry someone who is a born-again follower of Jesus. You shouldn't marry someone who's a sinner and doesn't live right, okay? We know that that's the will of God. Uh, You should marry someone who shares your interests, who shares your values and your value system. My advice is you should marry your best friend. You say, well, my best friend's a guy. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about if you find a a, a guy or a gal that you're dating, you're starting to get serious, should I marry them or not? If you have become best friends, marry them. When Leah, Leah and I tried to date the traditional way, I took her out on one date. It was so awkward and horrible. I didn't date her again for over a year. Matter of fact, she got engaged to another guy. And, and I thought that thing was over. But then after a year or whatever, we started hanging out. We would, we would go out to eat as friends. We would, we would go to breakfast. We would talk and just spend time together, but, but it was plutonic. We were just friends. But the more time we spent together, the more we started learning how much we had in common and, and how, how much we shared the same interests, and the longer we spent time with each other, we became really, really great friends, and then we fell in love, and I decided, you know what, I just need to marry her because she's my best friend, and I married her, and, and she's been my best friend now for 30-something years. So my point is, these are things that can guide you and help you. So I, I, we're not going to try to discover God's specific will for your life. Here's another thing that I want to say before I dig into this message. This week and the next week and the next week, I am, I am assuming that God's number one will for everybody is for them to get saved. So we know that, right? Everybody, she, so I, we're, we're going to assume that. So, so I'm not including that because that would mean a gospel message, and I preach gospel messages. So I'm really preaching to people that are born again, people that love the Lord, people that want to know the will of God. So here we go. You ready? For those of us that are saved, born again, love Jesus, trying to live for the Lord, I'm bringing to you today in the next two weeks that that what I want us to do, I want us to discover what I call the big three, the big three, okay? These are three things that I absolutely know 100% that they are God's will for every one of us who are saved. And I'm going to go ahead and give you the first one right now. The first will of God is found in our text. And so let's look at the text. Paul speaks about the will of God Paul speaks about a purpose, and Paul is saying in these verses that God has a deliberate and intentional plan for you. This is his will. This is what he expects from you, okay? And here's what I get out of what we read in those verses. We're Pentecostal, so we believe that you can pray in the Holy Ghost. You can pray in an unknown tongue. We believe in that. There's a prayer language, several uses for tongues. I'm not going to teach that today. One of them is a prayer language. Go to 1 Corinthians 14. You'll read that. And, and so 
when, when Paul says, when the Holy Spirit prays through you, when you pray in tongues, the Holy Spirit, watch this, is praying about this plan, this will that I'm about to preach to you. Isn't that cool? All right. God is using all of your life's experiences, good and bad, to execute this plan in your life. All things are working together for the good of this plan to make it happen. Are you seeing how this verse is supposed to work? This plan fits exactly with your calling as a child of God. So I know right now you're saying, okay, Pastor, boy, you've set this thing up. What is this plan? What is this will of God? It's very simple. For you to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. That's what God's will is. Now stay with me and let me take you there. I think everybody at home watching this, you know God knows everything perfectly, right? God knows the past, present, and future perfectly. He truly is omniscient. The Bible says he knows the end from the beginning. So before you were saved, God foreknew that he would save you one day. When you couldn't see yourself redeemed from sin, God foresaw that you would be born again. And knowing this, God predestined something special for you. When something is destined, it means it's going to happen. When it is predestined, it is destined to happen in advance. So in advance of you ever getting saved, God said, here's what I want from you. All right? Now, some people think the word predestined, predestination, if you come from a Reformed the- theology background, then you may be thinking, okay, well, I've heard this before. Does it, you know, predestination, that means God predestines some people to be saved and the, uh, the rest of the people aren't saved. Pre- God predestines some people to go to heaven and everybody else goes to hell. That's not what I'm talking about here, and that's not what this word means. That's not how Paul uses it here. Paul is telling us that God saves us And when we are saved, we are predestined to be conformed to the image of Jesus. Listen to me. That is your destiny. I don't know if you ever thought about having a destiny in life, but you have a destiny, a purpose. Every morning when you get up till you go to bed at night, God says, this is what I want, this is what I wish, this is what I expect, this is what I am anticipating from you, that when people look at you, when I look at you, I see Jesus. That's your destiny. So what does it mean to be conformed? Well, in the Greek, it means to share the same inner essence and identity. So I want the same inner essence and identity with Jesus. It means to share similar behavior from having the same essential nature. Well, I'm saved, and I've been made a partaker of the divine nature, so that means that I can behave like Jesus because I have Jesus' nature in me. My grandsons, especially the two oldest ones, love to come to my house, and they go into our sunroom, uh, and we've got a TV and a couch in there, and they love to get in there, and they say, Papa, we want to watch the Power Rangers. And so I turn on the Power Rangers on YouTube, and they love to watch episodes of the Power Rangers. My boys, when they were kids, liked to watch the Power Rangers. And if you don't know about the Power Rangers, they're superheroes, and they're just ordinary people. But when the bad guys show up, the Power Rangers will say what? It's morphin' time. It's morphin' time. And then they can do these certain things with 
tricks and gadgets, and boom, they morph, they, they transform into superheroes. Well, I just wanted to tell you, for you, every day is morphing time. God and his spirit are constantly working in you to change you into someone who resembles the Son of God. Here's a thought. We just had Christmas, right? We thought about the incarnation, Jesus coming in flesh. Just think about it this way. In the incarnation, Jesus became like us. But in salvation and even sanctification, you become like him. He became like us so he could save us and then we could become like him. Now, I think everybody knows this, but I want to preach. Good Pentecostal preachers like to preach what I'm about to preach. This old world we live in wants to conform you to its image. Bad. They don't want you to be like Jesus. They want you to be like them. It's people, it's institutions, the media, it's systems want you to look like them, talk like them, act like them, believe like them, reflect their immorality, reflect their sinfulness, embrace their ideologies and philosophies that are anti-God and anti-biblical. Romans 12, 2 commands you, and I quote, not to be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. There it is. God's will. What is God's good and acceptable and perfect will? Well, it can be a lot of things, but what we do know it is, is for you to be like Jesus. And so if you're going to be like Jesus because that's your destiny, then you cannot be conformed to this world. You've got to be transformed by the power of the Holy Ghost. But the world will try to press you into their mold. And I'm just going to say this this morning. Way too many Christians are being shaped into something that does not sound and act and look like Jesus. Can I have some amens from the few folks in the church? I hear y'all. Way too many Christians are not sounding like Jesus. They're, they're being shaped into something else. I'm just going to stand here today and say to you, don't succumb to the pressure placed on you by our society, this post-Christian, post-modern, sinful world that we live in. Don't succumb to its pressure. Don't succumb to the culture that is around us that is a culture that is anti-God and anti-biblical and anti-Jesus and is constantly trying to get you to compromise your faith and your godly values. I thought about Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These guys were forced to live in a culture they didn't want to live in. They were forced to go to Babylon. So they lived in the Babylonian culture. They were forced to wear Babylonian clothes, forced to live in Babylonian houses, forced to learn Babylonian customs, had to work Babylonian jobs. However, when it came to their religion and their faith in God, they refused to embrace the Babylonian religion. They would not worship the Babylonian gods. They, they wouldn't do it. They served Jehovah in the midst of and in spite of the Babylonian culture that they found themselves in. Anybody hearing me this morning? So, so, so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego wouldn't bow to the king's idol even though everybody else was. Daniel kept on praying even though it violated the law. of the, They made it a law that it's, it's illegal to pray. But Daniel said, I'm not 
giving in and caving in to what the Babylonians want, I'm still going to get on my knees and spend time with God. Brothers and sisters, we would do well in these last days to learn from these mighty men of God, take our stand and declare, I will not let Facebook or Google or the internet or the television or the media or or some liberal college university professor or some politician press me into their mold. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. The cross before me. The world behind me. Though none go with me, still I will follow Jesus. Man, I wish somebody home just say hallelujah, praise the Lord, amen. Come on, preach. Hallelujah. You cannot be like Jesus if you are being, it's like, it's like all I could, when I did this message, all I could think about was those little jars of Play-Doh that kids have. And they have little machines, little, little toy machines. And you can put that, take that water Play-Doh and stick it in, and then you can start pressing. And this image, this shape will come. You can make stars and, and crescent moons and all kind of things. Just squeeze it, and then it press. And that's what I'm thinking. That's what the world tries to do. It tries to just squeeze us and press us. They want us to look and act like them. But we are not of this world. We march to a different drumbeat. We serve somebody other than who they serve. We serve Jesus. Satan is their God. Satan is their leader, but Jesus is our leader. And if you want to be like them, then you just backslide going back into sin. But if you're going to serve the Lord, you have to say, I will be anti-cultural. I, I, will, be, I will be different from the world in those things that would want to make me compromise my faith. I'd rather look like Jesus and look like the world. I'd rather talk like Jesus and talk like the world. I'd rather stick out like a sore thumb and get ostracized or made fun of. I've had it done. I've had it done more times than I can remember. You get to a point it doesn't matter anymore. When you, when you love Jesus so much and, and you serve the Lord and you're committed to him, you don't care what anybody says. You don't care. It's like people that dye their hair blue. I don't understand how you can dye your hair orange or pink. You know, people do that. Now, I'm not going to do that. I just, I just couldn't do it, but people do that. Well, when they do that, I stare at them. I saw a guy with blue hair yesterday, and I just stared at him. And if he would have said something to me, like, what are you looking at? I would have said, you, because I figured you want me to stare. I figured the reason you dyed it blue is because you want everybody to look at you. I'm looking. Your hair's blue. People do stuff because they want attention. And they don't worry about what anybody thinks. Well, you know what? You ought to have that same attitude when it comes to living for Jesus Christ. You don't go to work and hide him. No, you get out there everywhere you go, and you take, you, you, you take your stand, and you, you live your faith, and you flesh it out. I go to a restaurant, I bow my head and pray over my food. I don't care who's watching what they think. Because my faith is my faith. And, and, you know, we're supposed to be a light that shines. You can't shine a light, hide it under a bushel, no. You know, you just got to be who Jesus is. And that's how we witness to the Lord. I'm preaching now, Lord. I'm not even close to my nose, but I'm just preaching now. That might be the problem only having a handful of y'all in here. I just preach as long as I want to. Let's talk about Adam for a minute. Adam was made in the image of God. The first man, 
He reflected God's character. He reflected God's authority. He manifested and possessed a holy personality, an incredible intellect. He exercised godly reason. He was full of wisdom. He made great choices. But one day, because of a lie of the devil, he sacrificed every bit of that, and he sacrificed the image of God that was in him. When he disobeyed God, the image of God was shattered in him. And that image image has been shattered in every person ever since because sin distorts the image of God. It blurs the image of God. And so what did God do? He sent God, but rather he sent his son. God sent his son who came as a man, became like one of us to give his life so that we could be saved and he could restore the image of God. See, when you get saved, it's not just that you don't no longer go to hell and you're going to heaven that you're a good person now, there's more to it than that. You, your nature has changed. If any person be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Everything that you used to be before you were saved are gone. They're dead. We have a funeral and we bury that person. It's called water baptism. Take you under and that old person's buried. And we bring you out and you're a new person. You go in dry, you come out wet. When you came to Jesus, you came in with sin and you went out clean. Old things passed away and everything has become new. You may not be what you ought to be. Most of us probably admit we're not. You may not be what you ought to be. We know you're not what you used to be. Come on, somebody say amen, hallelujah. But here's what I want to say. You are becoming daily, you are becoming daily who you were always meant to be. So you may not be what you ought to be. Thank God you're not what you used to be. But as God is transforming you every day and conforming you into the image of Jesus daily, you are becoming who you were meant to be. So what is the goal? The goal is to reflect the image of Jesus. In other words, to be like Jesus. So let's just get practical. What does that mean, Pastor Chris? That means means you reflect him in what you say. And not just at church or when you're around the pastor. Got to straighten up when I'm around a preacher. Preacher's coming, straighten up. No, you better act right when sinners are around, when non-preachers are around. 24 hours a day, you reflect him in what you say. You reflect him in how you think. You reflect him in the way you behave. You reflect him in how you react to situations and how you react to people. And and I'm going to be honest, that's where most of us get in trouble We get triggered too easily, don't we? We get triggered, and then we say something we shouldn't have or think something we shouldn't have or or, or react in a way and do something, and then later we regret that because nothing in any of it was like Jesus. But as the Lord works on us, our reactions become better. As the Lord changes us, we react like Jesus would. What does it mean, Pastor Chris, to reflect the image of Jesus? What does it mean to be like Jesus on a practical basis, that you exhibit mercy and grace to people? You speak God's truth with conviction. You love the unlovable. You have compassion for people. I was playing golf with a guy this week, and I'm not going to say his name. He's one of our church leaders. But he said, in 2022, I'm going to try to be a kindler, kinder and gentler 
person. He said, that's my goal. And, uh, and, and, and he was serious because, because he said, sometimes I can be abrupt. Sometimes I can be short. Sometimes I'm not. He said, I want to be. And I thought, that's a great, what a great goal. I know right now he's at home laughing because he knows who he is. But I want to say this, it's a great goal. Because sometimes we are too short with people, aren't we? Sometimes we cut people off too quick. Sometimes we're mean-spirited. That's not like Jesus. But when you're like Jesus, you'll have compassion for people. You'll help others with no strings attached. You, you will give people hope. That's what, that's what Christ-like people do. We give people hope. You will forgive those who offend you and hurt you, and you won't keep a record of wrong. Well, I remember what she did. I forgave her, but I remember what she did 13 years ago. Well, I, that's not, you better hope the Lord doesn't treat you that way. I mean, he throws your sins into a sea of forgetfulness. If we're going to be like Jesus, then we got to let it go. That's what it means to be like Jesus. In other words, things about you, things about you will make your wife think about Jesus. Things about you will make your husband think about Jesus. Things about you will make your kids see Jesus. Things about you will make your family members notice and it will cause them to reflect on Jesus. You're getting me. At work. I knew a guy that at church, he was the greatest guy. At work, he was cussing and yelling at his employers and one guy finally called him out on it because he was missing it. You don't have this dichotomy. You don't marginalize your life and say, when I'm around Christian people and the preacher, I love to make fun of that, the preacher, the pastor, and when I'm at church, I like one way, but when I'm around, when I'm around people in the world, I'm going to act a different way. No, 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 no. That's, that's, not what, that's not what I'm preaching. What I'm preaching to you, what I'm teaching you today is that everybody that you're around, there are things about you that they'll say, man, that makes, sometimes that'll make people uncomfortable. Sometimes when you're, you're, you act like Jesus, that'll make people that are not like Jesus little, it'll be a little awkward. They feel a little uncomfortable. They'll get a little irritated to you because you're light, they're darkness. You're holy, they're unholy. You're good, they're bad. And it's not like you're trying. It's just you're living your life and shining Jesus. But things about you will make people think about Jesus. You say, Pastor Chris, this is a tall order from God. <laughs> Woo, I don't think I can do this. I, I, honestly, Pastor, I, I appreciate you preaching this, but I, I don't think I can do this. You're right, you can't. Not on your own. But that's why God sent the Holy Spirit so that when you get saved, immediately the Spirit of God takes up residence inside of you. You're not just saved and not going to hell and going to heaven and now I'm a good person. No, God took up residence in you. The spirit of Jesus lives inside of you to help you to be like Jesus. What if you could take the spirit of me and put it inside of you? A scary thought, isn't it? You'd talk like me. You'd act like me. You'd eat like me. You'd have desires that I have. You would, you would watch what I watch. You would like the sports that I like. See, whatever, whatever that, that I am, if it got inside of you, that's what you would become. Are you getting the picture here? 
God has taken himself, the spirit of his son, the Holy Spirit, and put him inside of us to take the things of Jesus and show them to us and transform us and produce this stuff called the fruit of the spirit so that you're a person who loves and you're filled with joy and you have peace and you're gentle with people and you're a good person and you're meek, you're humble and you have faith, and you have confidence in God, and you have patient endurance, you can put up with stuff where other people don't. You're like Jesus. So you do your part, God will do his part. That almost sounds 50-50. It's not. For even for you to do your part, you got to still have his help. But you at least have to do something. I mean, I just read today, well, you know, Jesus, the Bible says you got to keep his commandments. That's doing your part. You got to obey him. You got to read your Bible and pray. You got, if you're going to have a relationship with God, you got to talk to him, let him talk to you. So these are simple things. But as you do the simple things and do your part and cooperate, God in all of his majesty, power, and glory, far beyond anything you do, will begin to transform you and change your life. Little by little, day after day, you become the best person you could ever become. You ever tried to model yourself after somebody else? You ever have a hero or somebody, maybe somebody at work or somebody you know that, man, I want to be just like them. And so you start doing everything they do. Maybe you start dressing like them. You start talking like them, using their little idiosyncrasies. You're just trying to be like them. And you know, people do that all the time. But I'm telling you, I don't care who you think the best person in this world is that you could model or copy. There's one that far surpasses any of those people, and that's Jesus Christ. And you don't have to model him, even though you should look at his life, he'll live it and flesh it out through you. Jesus on the inside, working on the outside. Oh, what a change in my life. Have you ever looked at another Christian, and I'm closing with this, have you ever looked at another Christian and said, boy, I wish I could be as spiritual as they are? I'm not even remotely close to that person. Man, they are just so much more like Jesus, and they're, they're just, they got it together, and I don't have it together. They're mature. You ever done that and just looked at somebody else and thought, I, I don't know if I've, I could ever be like them. Listen, here's what I want to say to you today. That's good. It's good to have people like that in your life, people that can flesh it out, model it for you, disciple you, coach you in the Lord, be a spiritual coach, a mentor. All that's good, okay? Timothy had Paul. Elisha had Elijah. I could take you through the Bible. Joshua had Moses. It's always good to have that seasoned saint in your life. The more of him you have, the better. But let me just say to you today, you have the same identity as that person that you admire so much in the Lord. Not everybody is at the same level spiritually. It's just not the way it is. Everybody's at different levels, okay? So, so, you have to trust God to do the work inside of you. Whatever, God, whatever work God has done in that person that you look up to so much, okay, that same Holy Spirit is going to be working in you to get you to a point to where somebody else that's less mature than you and newer than the Lord is going to look at you one day and say, man, they got it together. Boy, I want to be like that. And, you know, if you're married and you have kids, if you're married and you have children, you already have that happening with that child or those children that are watching you. Mom, Dad, you're supposed to be the, the front-line expression of Jesus to them, okay? I, I, I want to just use an illustration, really. I'm finishing the message with this. In my house, 
I have a toaster, I have a microwave, I have a can opener, and I have a refrigerator, all right? They are all different appliances. They all do different things, but they all work from the same power source. So when I plug in the microwave, it starts microwaving. And when I plug in the toaster, it starts toastering. And when I plug in the can opener, it opens cans, okay? They operate according to the manufacturer's specifications, and each of them have different specifications, but they all operate the way they're supposed to because they're all connected to the same power source. They're all receiving the same power. Why am I saying that? Because you are different from me, and I am different from you, and I'm like Jesus in some ways, and you're like Jesus in other ways. You may be more like Jesus in some areas, and I might be more like Jesus in other areas. But listen, we both have the potential to live up to God's manufacturer's specifications. He made us. He's the manufacturer. What are his specifications? That's his will. That's what he, he, I made you for this purpose. I made you to be like Jesus. We both can do that. Why? Because we got the same power running through us. It is the power of the Holy Spirit. I feel the Holy Ghost. I'm about to shout in this sanctuary. I'm almost all by myself, but I'm about to get excited. I've got the Holy Spirit. You've got the Holy Spirit. He's greater than you. He's greater than me. He's greater than my weaknesses. He's greater than my shortcomings. He knows. He knows when I fail him. He knows the areas where I need a lot more work and the areas where I will need a little more work. And he's working in me and doing what needs to be done. He's doing the same thing in you so that when that finished product arrives, people will look at us and see Jesus. And one day when we're glorified, hallelujah, and we stand in his presence, he's going to see millions of us. They look just like him and reflect God. God has the design for you, the plan for you. Be like Jesus, but you have to know who you are in him. And if you'll know who you are in him, then God can begin to work and change it. So for 2022, okay, on this second Sunday in this new year, I am challenging my flock, my, my, my church family, this congregation, and all anybody else who's watching. We have people watching all over America, around literally some outside. I'm challenging you with this message today to make it a matter of prayer every day. Lord, make me like Jesus. Make me like Jesus. Like John the Baptist, he must increase and I must decrease. I want to be more like you today, Lord. Change me. Those areas where I'm, I'm too much like me, I'm too much like something that doesn't look like Jesus, change me. Transform me. Modify my life, God. I, I, want, I want where my spouse is just noticing. My, my husband, my wife is a man of God. They're godly. They're godlike. That's what I, so I want you to just bow your heads with me right now. We're going we're gonna to take, we, we just spent the last six days. Today's the last day of a seven-day fast. Lots of us, hundreds of us have been giving up meals this week. What a great way to finish out 
on this Sunday, the last day of our fast. We've been fasting for seven days, this final day. What a great way to finish that that final day is say, God, change me and make me like Jesus. So come on, I want you to join with me right now. Father, in the name of your sweet son that I love so much and who loves me even more, I come to you now leading a congregation of folks I can't even see because, God, right now we're connected through technology. But, Father, as we're praying, literally hundreds of us, hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of us are praying. You can hear us, and I pray in the name of Jesus that, God, you would change us and transform us and make us into the image of Jesus. Lord, it doesn't matter how old we are. I know we've got some senior saints that are watching, but they may have only served the Lord for a few years. Even if you've served the Lord for a long time, Lord, I've, I've served you, Lord, for over 50 years. You saved me when I was five years old. But God, I know there are, there, are, there are things in my life I still want you to change. I need you to change. I just pray you'll transform us change our mind, reprogram us, God, as we read the word and as we hear the the preach word and we listen to podcasts like let's talk about God and and we get around people that that are mentoring us and coaching us spiritually, God, help us to change. Give us the desire to change. Transform us, God. I want High Praises Church to be filled with people that as we go out into our homes, our family families, our communities, our neighborhoods, at the places of employment, in our schools, our universities that we attend, that as we go out, God, we are representatives of Jesus Christ, ambassadors of Jesus Christ, that when people see somebody from high praises, doesn't mean we're perfect. Nobody's perfect but Jesus. But when they see us from high praises, something about us makes them think of you it's a tall order but Holy Spirit we're leading on you to make it happen and so I just thank you God for the work that's going to happen in our life in the next two weeks as we discover these fundamentals of the will of God help us Lord to fulfill your will we're supposed to pray every day thy kingdom come thy will be done God I want your will to be done and I know your will is for me to be like Jesus Now I just pray you'll bless every person under the sound of my voice. God, bless them. And may may the power and the presence of God be more real in their lives than they've ever experienced. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. God bless you. I love you so much. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings. Our service times are 9 o'clock and 1045. For more information, please visit us at highpraises.org.